the, the sermon title is X Marks the Spot because of this idea of where is our treasure? What do we do with the things, the influence, the status, the job, the family, all of these things that, that God blesses us with? What do we do with that? And like I said, uh, adoption kind of changed us in that and uh, in, in how we, we, our family thinks about those things and how much we, we want to be able to give back and the, the things like that. Um, today, as we begin to open, this, open up God's Word, can I ask you to do one thing with me? Whatever God, I should say this, I believe that this is not just the written Word of God. I believe this is the inspired Word of God. I believe that this Word, when it's opened, has the opportunity, if we are willing, to absolutely change our hearts, to, to take us into directions that we just, frankly, never dreamed we would go. I'll be honest with you, my wife wanted to adopt and wanted to begin that process far sooner than I did, and it wasn't until I really read and got into this that that changed my heart. So can I just ask you today, before we even start, okay, just to think and consider this. If God asks you to do something today, in, in, in this sermon and in God's word, we open it up and he challenges you with something. Would you be willing to say this? Yes. Okay, God, I will do that. Okay, whatever it says, right? Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to challenge you with that. Just put that on your lab and consider that. Would you, if God asked you to do something today from today's lesson, would you do it? Okay, because I think today, as we open this up, I believe God's challenging us. I believe God is encouraging us, and he, he wants us to begin to take our treasure and give it back to him. Let's go ahead and pray real quick, and I'm just going to pray for this sermon and also for my jitters and, and all of that good stuff. So have, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, today, uh, would you just take me out of the equation? Would you speak through your word? Um, would you communicate clearly what we are to do with what you give us, God? God, and in those moments, God, and in this time, God, I pray that your word would, would cut our hearts, would open our hearts, and would heal our hearts um, so that we might see clearly what it is, God, that you have for us in our personal walk with you, Lord. We love you, God. We praise you. We give this day to you. and pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Sorry. Like I said, most of you guys know us kind of from that process of, of, of adoption, or maybe you know my wife or you know my family. Um, but I, I will say this. In as much as God's Word has absolutely changed my life, another thing has, has had that opportunity as well, and really it's traveling with God's Word. And we've had some really cool opportunities in doing that adoption, and we've been in to see missionaries in Peru and Ecuador and all over the world. And that's been a very cool opportunity for me. I, got to, I married a woman who likes to travel. She gets that itch to travel, and she'll kind of lean over to me and go, Nick, it's time. We need to go somewhere, you know, and, and we kind of get this, this motivation to go and, and see and see what God's doing. And I've seen two things in traveling. One is that God loves everyone, no matter what. He, he, he loves cultures and he loves people and he wants to see his kingdom be spread throughout the world. I've seen that. I've seen people doing that. And also that wealth is relative. That there are, and, I, and I don't, I'm not saying money. Okay, what I'm saying is wealth, because I have seen some of the most wealthy people in the poorest countries. And what I mean by wealth is really generosity. We have been invited into mud huts, given rice that would feed a family for days, 
because they love us, because they know we're part of God's kingdom. That is wealth. That generosity changes who you are. When you come home and you realize that this family that you just left isn't coming home with you, that they, that they are staying there and that they have to battle through things that we could never imagine, it absolutely rocks your world when you come home. And those types of things are, are really what changes me, right? When I come home and I realize what I have, what I, what I want, right? The desires, that I, the things that I would boast in or the things that I would talk about or the things that other people are talking about. And it absolutely, it's that culture just change. It's that, it's that whole thing that just absolutely wrecks you. And if you've traveled, you've probably felt it before that actually coming home is probably more difficult than actually being where you were because you realize that at some point, it feels like that your life was coming to this climax to nothing because you've seen something that you can't get out of your head. And that's, that's what traveling, that's what God's word has really done for me. And I notice it, like I said, in, in kind of what I boast in, what I, what I flaunt and what I want people to know about me and how awesome Nick is, right? And, and, and in those things, it's challenging because I realize it's part of who I am. Not something I'm proud of, but it's part of who I am. And, and what I want to challenge us with today is to ask that question, okay? What is it that maybe defines you, that, that you say, okay, this is something that is so important to me. This, if I was to say, this is my treasure, maybe it's money, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your job, status, influence. I, I don't know what it is for you. I think for most of us, it's probably wrapped up in that idea of money because of where we live and just where God has blessed us to be. I don't know, though, what it is for you. And, and probably the best way to figure that out, what that is for you, is this question, okay? What one thing, if it was just taken out of your life, would cause you the most heartache? Okay, just ask yourself that question. And we're going to actually take that answer and just kind of hold it for a second, okay, for a little bit. I want you just to think about that. What is that one thing that if, man, man, if I just went, if I had no more money, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't have anything. If I lost my family or if I, I would just be wrecked. And it's not to say that any of those things are bad, okay? Don't hear me say that all of those things are terrible. But what I'm saying is I want us to ask this question. What is it? What is that treasure that we hold dear, okay? That if taken would just, would just wreck us. Because I think that thing, if we recognize that, if we think about that, that is kind of our wealth. That is what we value. Our wealth is our treasure that we, that we boast in, that we say this is who we are. We talk about, and we, we, kind of, we kind of do this thing where we know in kind of Christian ease that we kind of boast about things without people knowing that we're boasting about them, right? We talk about how much things cost. So, oh, that's way too much. Or, or I, I would never shop there. Or, you know, I, McDonald's is disgusting. You know, all of these things, we kind of say that these things are beyond us, right? They're, 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 they're less than what we want. And McDonald's is disgusting. Don't get me wrong, okay? But I am saying that there are things that we do to kind of cover up that idea that we're boasting about it. And we get good at that. But you know who doesn't do that? Kids. And I have three of them. 
and they are just little sinners. You know what I mean? Like they don't they they don't cover up their their sin. They they just kind of say it. They're like, yeah, I wanted to hit my brother, so I did. You know? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That and I can appreciate that. I can value that because they don't cover it up, right? There's something honest in that, even though it's terrible stuff. My oldest daughter, I will say this, okay, I don't, and I love her, and she's awesome, but she definitely has that same idea, that she struggles with that treasure idea, that she values money probably overall, and that she wants it. So much, I actually brought her purse. This is her purse, not mine. This purse was, was she just had a birthday, and she had a bunch of dollar bills in it, right? What she did, and, and she, she would go buy something, maybe she'd get like a snack or something, and she would buy these things, these little things with these dollars, and she would get all this change. And she recognized that, so she went and did more of that, and she got all of this change. She was super excited. I'm like, she, she would buy something, and all of this, and she's like, yes, change. And I'm like, oh, Reagan, why are you, you know, what's the deal? What's with the change? And what I realized really quickly was she would put all this change, and this thing was full. And it jingles. And what it was is that she was filling her purse with more, what she thought, more treasure. Right? Like, dollars don't make any sound. You don't know how much money you have if you have dollars in here. But you know how much money is if it's full with coins, right? It looks like one of those big, those big uh, sacks with a dollar sign on it, right? So she has in here, maybe you can hear it, she's got a whole bunch of coins, because she wants people to know how much money she has. Even as a little kid, she gets this idea. And obviously, she's a little kid, and we, you know, we're trying to help her understand it. Even today, she said, you know, Dad, I think I want to give some of that money back. And uh, we had someone from the 9 o'clock service saw her coming in and kind of knew who she was, and she's a teacher of hers. And she said, oh, yeah, you get to give some money back today? And I'm like, thank you. You know, and we're kind of talking about it. But those are things that even as a kid, you see it. And it's kind of cute and silly as a kid. But what about when you're an adult? What about when that heart is in you now? What do you do? What do we say? If you can't open up your Bibles to Jeremiah 9, because this is a big issue. Open up your Bible to Jeremiah 9, and here's my encouragement to you, my challenge to you, is write in your Bible. If you've got a pen, you've got a highlighter, whatever, write in your Bible. Write notes. Come back to them later. See what God's been doing in your life over the past, you know, months and years. It's awesome stuff. Write in it. If you have a phone and you, have, you use your Bible for your phone or whatever, great, awesome, love it. Here's my challenge to you today, okay? If something strikes you today in this lesson, post it. Keep your phone out and post it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever you do. But let's just change social media for God. You know what I mean? Like, if, this, if God is in that and you have a phone, use it. Okay, so that's my thing. You can be on your phone while I talk. It doesn't bother me. I promise. I was a youth pastor for 12 years. Trust me. Okay, so Jeremiah 9. We're going to be in Jeremiah 9. This is going to help us understand what this boasting idea is about. Okay, Jeremiah 9, 23. It says, this is what the Lord says. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but... Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in this earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Very powerful stuff. 
There is nothing else to be able to boast about except for what is in God. What Jesus loves, what God loves, those are the things that we can boast in. These are the things that are eternal. These are the things that God is, and these are the things we shall boast in. But let's be honest, that's difficult, right? Because those things are not about us. They don't give us glory sometimes. Even to more to the point, 1 Corinthians 1.31, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Pretty simple stuff. But very challenging, right? It's tough to look into our hearts and say, what do I really, really boast in? Not what do I cover up. <laughs> okay? Not what do I want people to think I boast in, but what do I really boast in? What would be the most hurtful if it left? I'm going to give you Nick's, okay? I boast in the praise of man. That's my heart. I struggle with it. I love when people are like, Nick, you're awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I really am. That's me. What's yours? Think about it. Put it away for a second. We're going to get into Matthew 6. This is our main section of scripture I want to talk about today because I think that this has so much to do with today. And we're going to see how really important this is because like I said, it's easy to cover this one up. It's easy to fake this one. But I want you to see how serious this is. So check this out. In Matthew 6, we're going to start in verse 19. We're going to read all the way through 24. But we're, going to start, <clears throat> we're going to start here because Jesus is talking to his disciples. Very early on in his ministry, he's kind of coming in and he's, he's, he's sat them down for this intimate discussion. And he's, he's kind of going through the pitfalls, kind of what to expect. Kind of this, hey guys, this is going to be difficult, so here's some things to watch out for. And he says this in verse 19, 21. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And in verse 21, he changes it all. He just throws it on. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is truly this worldly versus eternal. This is the struggle, right? I mean, this is what we feel on a daily basis. And he's warning his disciples against desiring the treasures, the worldly treasures of this earth. He said, look, they're not worth anything. They're going to crumble. They're going to die. But the things of God, the things that last forever, these are the things that we should invest our lives in. These are the things that as we get things from God, that we should give them right back. And this truly is the difference maker. This is what people see when they look at you and it's different. Why would you give your time and talent and treasure back to your church? Why do you stay later at work to, to make sure you have integrity? Why do you do those things? Well, it's because my treasure is in God. And it changes the way people see you and it puts value in the words that you use. Next uh, section here is a different illustration to say the same thing, but in a different way. Check this out. This one, this one is crazy. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, uh, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What's Jesus here telling his disciples? He's saying, look, where your focus is, where your treasure is, he just got done saying your treasure is so important. He says, where that focus, your light, your eyes, where you are focused, that 
will either bring light to your body or it will corrupt your body. But this is something that we know, right? We feel this. We know as a Christian, if you today are a believer, if you know and you have a relationship with God, you know how when you are on the wrong path, when you make decisions that you know are putting the treasure back in your hands, you know it corrupts everything, right? Because it just feels wrong. It takes you down a path you don't want to go. And this verse is what's saying that. This verse is saying, look, don't be fooled. This is a big thing. It's saying, the, how great is the darkness? If we are focused on there are treasures being ours and, and the things that God's giving us, holding those things tight for us and our glory, he's saying, look, it's going to corrupt everything. But just starting the process, he says, look, if the light, if your eyes are focused on the light, your whole body will be full of light. Sometimes you just got to start, right? Next verse here says this, and this one is the killer, right? I mean, this is the one where the disciples must have just gone, oh, ouch, you know, because this is Jesus bringing it home for his disciples on how big this is, how much it matters, what we value and what we treasure and what we do with what God has given us. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Greek word there is called mammon. Mammon is like influence as well. So it could probably be translated money slash influence. This is the don't be fooled statement that everything really hinges on. Is that when we are focused and our treasure is in God's hands, we are serving Him in a way that is dynamic and real and changes everything that we do. When we are not, when we are taking those treasures, when we are taking what God gives us and holding them tight and saying, no, these are mine. We are serving money and influence. And we're not serving God. Jesus goes as far as to say, you can only love or hate your master. These are big things. And it's really, right, it's kind of overwhelming. And right now, I can even kind of, as I'm watching eyes and things and I'm talking to you guys, I can see people going, okay, stop. You know, like there's just this overwhelming almost crunch that you feel because it is big and it is, it can feel overwhelming because we don't want to make a mistake. And I know, oh my goodness, I don't want to do this. But let me just tell you, let me take off that yoke that can feel so overwhelming of serving and put it on where the person that can only take it on, and that's Jesus. Because here's the thing. The only reason Jesus is asking his disciples to do this, the only reason God desires this is because Jesus has already done this. Okay, Jesus modeled this in his life. He was the richest and became the poorest. If you can look with me in 2 Corinthians 8. Okay, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8. I want you to see this because Paul is talking to this church, the Corinth church. And frankly, they weren't very good at this, okay? They needed some lessons, too, on where their treasure was and how they gave and what things came in and what things went out. They needed some help with this. So Paul is talking to them, and he commended this church in Macedonia. 
And he says, look, these guys get it right. And this is what he says about that. He says, I say this not as a command, but to prove my earnest, by earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. So he's saying, I want you to look at this church because they get it, right? He's saying, I want you to look at this church because they model it. And this is what they model right here. This is what turns everything on its head. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, by, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Pastor Dan talked about it last week. God Almighty, glory, everything came down to earth. The angel said, he's slumming it. Dan, Pastor Dan said, he slummed it on the earth. But that can't be more true. And that can't be, that can't be understated that God most high, worthy of all glory and honor and praise, came down to earth, lived a perfect life as a model, and died a sinner's death. Can't be understated because that is the model for our treasure is to give back. That no matter where you're at, no matter what you have, that that treasure can be given to God, put into his hands. Because it's exactly what Jesus showed us. This life of generosity only works because Jesus lived it. And it only makes sense because that perfect God did it. And it's real simple, and I want to share this because it's super important. This is what it's all about. Because there is a reality that comes with the life of Jesus and what he did. The reality is really simple, too. Yeah, if you can go to the next slide. The reality is, in Romans 3.23... That for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Most of you know that and most of us believe that because it's kind of easy to understand. Because when we lay our head on our pillow, we know where we fell short that day. Shouldn't have raised my voice here. Probably shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that. Certainly shouldn't have thought that. All of these things, we know that our lives are not perfect. That's a pretty easy one to get. The hard part comes with Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of those sin, in other words, what you earn from that sin, that that different life than what God had planned for you, what you earn for that is death. You're saying, Nick, that's kind of hardcore. Death for a white lie? I mean, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as this guy over here. You know, I'm I'm not this guy over here. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle somewhere. The problem is, it's not about you. The problem is, just like, I like to kind of explain it like this. If I came down off these steps and found Pastor Dan and just smacked him right in the face, there wouldn't be that big of a, well, he'd probably beat me up. But other than that, there wouldn't be that big of a problem. Okay, I mean, we'd work it out probably. But if I walked off these steps, drove down to Washington, D.C., and then smacked the president in the face, there'd be a big problem. I would not be here and I wouldn't be with my family for a long time. Why is that? It's because of the glory and honor due the person that is offended. Like we just said, all glory and honor is due God. He gave you life and breath, and all he requires is that you do with that life what he wants. He gave it to you. And not like a tyrant. He doesn't say these are, these are rules that you can't leave. He's saying like a loving father, here's what I want you to do. 
Here's your life. You can have it. But we say, no, I want it instead. I want to have this life. And he says, fine, you can have it, but I require it back at the end. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So there's this opportunity that we have, this free gift that's out there. And that free gift is, yeah, sorry, you can go back. That free gift is adoption. Like I said, adoption changed us as a family. It helped us to realize this simple fact that God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What Judah shows us in our family is simply this. There's nothing that Judah did to earn being a fisher. Sometimes he doesn't want to be, okay? But he gets all the rights and privileges of being a fisher because we worked hard for him. He didn't really do anything. He got chosen. He, he was our son from the moment we saw him. Listen to me. If you're here, especially for the first or second time, and you've never heard this before, this is beginning to make sense to you for the first time. This is so important. You have done nothing to earn the grace of God. God gives it freely that while you were in the worst sin of your life, he saw you and said, I want you. That's what he did. He came and died for you. He did the work so that you can make a decision. And that decision is real simple. The next slide is Romans 10.9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's really simple. And this is everything that we're talking about today. This is all of it. This is what matters. This is why you're here. This is why you go to work. This is why you have a family. This is why you, this is why you communicate with your mouth and then sometimes not with your mouth what Jesus has done in your life because of this. And this is why what we do with our treasure is so important. This is why we, what we do with where, where our treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is why people are looking. This is why it matters to you because it can affect your whole person. This is why it's so important. So as we go on, I want to, I want to just say this too. Maybe this made sense to you for the first time. I'm going to give you an opportunity later to talk to someone about this. Don't forget this. This is so vital, but as we move forward, just ask you to think about where you're at. You may be in this room, sitting in this chair for years, and this just made sense for the first time. That's okay. Okay, this is why we're here, right here. And you might be saying right now too, Nick, I know where I stand, and I, and I want to treasure Jesus above all else, but how do I do it? You know, we're, we're sitting here and you're going, okay, I get this. I, I, I know where I stand. I, I want to be able to take what I, I treasure and I want to be able to give it back because there are those things that I just hold for me, whether it's money or status or job or family or whatever it is. There are those things that I hold tight and I just can't seem to give it to him because I, they just, they're mine. How do I do it? Well, can we just get real for a second and just say, if Matthew 6 is true, how important is this, right? This is super important. If this word, like we said in the beginning, if this word is telling us what we ought to do, can we just say, let's, let's do this, okay? Let's, let's try. 
to move forward. I, just, I get it. It's really hard. And it was hard for me. But like I said, this word changed me. My son changed me. My wife changed The people around me have changed the way I, I, I know how important it is now. And I know what it has done and how it has affected my kids and, and my family by simply taking that treasure and putting it in God. And here's what I think. These are the three things that I see that have absolutely helped me and that have changed the way other people see me and, and seen God's word through me. Is this. Is one is give consistently. Give consistently. Here's the thing. I am really bad at consistency. Some of you know me well enough to know that's true. My follow-through is poor. I've begun to learn the ukulele. No. I've begun to learn to play tennis. Not. Golf. False. All of these things, you know, there's all these things in my life that I struggle with following through. My wife's going, yes, I know, right? And there's these, all these things that like I struggle with. This is not one of them because this is vitally important. For some of us, we need to learn that giving first thing, whether it's a paycheck or whether it's a windfall or whatever it is, but giving consistently month after month, week after week, year after year is what changes your heart because it's not always fun. It's not always inspiring to give. It's not always exciting to take your treasure and give it back to God. Sometimes it hurts really bad and you don't want to, but you've done it for the past two years, so gosh, I'm going to do it. And then God gets the glory. Give consistently. We talk about it. There are, the Bible is very clear that a good place to start is a 10% tithe. That's called a tithe. If you want to talk to me about that later on, I would love to talk to you about that. But God says, and God's word says, that a good place to start is not a rule. A good place to start is 10% of what we get to get, just give it right back. Second thing is give generously. Again, we were modeled generosity by God who gave his only son for you and for me. Does your giving reflect that? Does your treasure reflect that? Give consistently, give generously, and give to eternity. What lasts forever? God and his people, his church. That's what lasts forever. And there are awesome opportunities within this church, outside this church, to be able to grow God's kingdom in a way that is dramatic because you've made a decision to be generous, because you've made a decision to have your treasure be in God, that we have the awesome opportunity to be able to change the way. Let me just tell you right now, the reason this city, Fairfield, asked John and this church to be in, that, in, a, in a city church is because they have seen the actions of this ministry that you have here called City Hope. They have seen your actions, your treasure, and the fact that it's changing the city means that the words you're using are literally changing the way the city feels. That's amazing. That, that, is, that is good. And you are a part of that. And I hope that you are a part of that. I hope that that fires you up. I hope that encourages you. Because Parkway is making a difference. 
My question for you is personal. Where are you in that? Are you just along for the ride? And hey, man, I go to Parkway. It's the cool church. Or are you in it to be changed forever? Because that's what God desires. God desires from the very beginning to change everything. You can be a part of that if we give our treasure to him. I'm going to go ahead and pray real quick here. So if you everyone just bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want, just, no one's looking around. It's just kind of me and, and there'll be a couple deacons maybe that come up. But I just want to ask you this question. Today, I gave you this opportunity to hear for the first time maybe what God has truly done for you. And maybe that made sense to you for the first time. I'm not going to ask you to be crazy. I'm not going to ask you to do backflips down the aisle or anything. But I do want to ask you this. Can you be bold for a second? And if God talked to you today about becoming his child, about making that decision, I ask you to pray this prayer with me real quick. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Just pray something like this. And God, I don't know everything about you. But what I do know is that I need you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you are the son of God. And with everything that I believe, with everything that I am, I want you today. I, I need you today. I've been trying to do this on my own and I can't do it. And I know it. I just ask you to be bold and no one's looking again it's just me a couple elders might catch you after not right now they're not going to jump on you right now but they might catch you after because this could be the beginning of your journey toward God so if today if you made that decision to follow God for the first time to begin a relationship with him would you be bold enough just to no one's looking it's just me just to raise your hand real quick so that I might be encouraged and be able to say yeah that, that's awesome anyone here today make that decision to, to accept Christ. Okay. Also here, God's word challenged us. I hope that, you know, ideally, this is just an encouragement to say, yeah, we're on the right track. But inevitably, I know for me, and probably for some here, it means, okay, I need to start doing a few things differently. I need to begin to think, and I want to begin right now to think about where my treasure is. And with, with my spouse or with my family or just me as an individual, I want to begin to think what I do with what God has given me. And if that's you, can you do me this favor? Would you mind, no one's looking again, it's just me. Would you mind just raising your hand real quick? Just, there you go, I see him. Yeah, I see a bunch. I want you to know there are hands raised here. You can put them down. Thank you. I want you guys to know as a church, you are doing a phenomenal job. Continue to be generous. In your relationship with Jesus, continue to be generous.
Heavenly Father, God, you are a God who has been eternally generous with us. God, I pray that you would be glorified in every single thing that we do, that our giving, that our treasure would not be there to flaunt, but it would be there to give. And I pray whether it's time, whether it's talent, or whether it's our treasure, God, that you would have it all. God, I pray, again, all glory and honor to you forever and ever. Amen.